Thanks, Brother Fred. Well, it's good to be here tonight. I'm going to use this, Brother Rob. Test one. Good? All right, awesome. It's good to be here tonight. I was driving over here uh, a few minutes back, and I was thinking uh, to myself, you know, what could be the one benefit, if there's any benefit, of me preaching tonight rather than pastor. And I was thinking about it. I'm not, not going to be a more powerful truth, not going to be a better sermon. But I finally thought of one thing before I pulled in the parking lot, the one benefit that you'll get from me preaching tonight rather than pastor, and that is you will get out before 7 o'clock. So you can take it or leave it, but I'm taking it because it's all I got. If you want to turn your Bible to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, we're going to read uh, verse 9 here in a minute. And while you're turning there, I uh, you know, want to thank you for the opportunity, thank Pastor for the opportunity to preach, and uh, never take it lightly when I get to stand behind uh, the pulpit, especially here at uh, my home church and our church, and I appreciate the opportunity and humbled by it. Uh, I want to thank you, uh, everyone here in the church, for uh, your continued patience and uh, support and prayer for our bus ministry. Um, I, it was about, I guess we've been here for about five Five or six months since uh, me and Catherine have been back, and when we started at this thing, our, our bus ministry was bringing just about 20 or 25 every Sunday, and uh, we've seen God do tremendous things over the past few months, where we're bringing just about, close to, just about close to 60 people every Sunday on the bus, and uh, God continues to work, and I thank you for your prayer and your support. I thank you, as I said, for your patience. I know in the, uh, in the morning service, because the bus ministry has been growing and we've been seeing new people. You know, that we have several uh, teenagers that sit in the back, and they could be a little disruptive or talk, and it's their first time really getting adjusted to church. Uh, but believe it or not, because of your patience and, and your love to them, a lot of them, you know, pastor will come down to me after the service and say, you know, that guy and that girl right there and there raised their hand for salvation, and me or Catherine had the opportunity to talk to them and uh, confirm that with them. Um, and they're, they're, they might not realize it, but they're growing and uh, I appreciate your patience with them. We have one little guy back there who uh, was a result of our Danbury Blitz that we had in September. Ever since that Saturday, he's been coming every week. And um, he sits in the back there. He got reassurance of his salvation. And he does his daily pursuit of God every single week. Brings it to the teen house. Filled out. Him and Adam are the only ones every week who faithfully have it done. And bring it to the teen house with them. And so God's working. And we appreciate your uh, patience and, and your support uh, with the bus ministry as it continues to grow. And hopefully, it's not too long before we need a second bus and third bus and fourth bus and so on, and we can see God continue to do great things in the next few years. First John uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It's a verse that a lot of Christians will uh, read or they'll come to in their Bible reading and just kind of overlook it, kind of maybe even get a little bit scared about the verse, not really sure what it means. Um, and try to explain away, or maybe they just skip over it during their Bible reading. And I'll admit, when you know, growing up in church and going to Bible college and being at Howes Anderson for five years and sitting in Bible classes and doctrine classes and preaching classes, and every time this verse would um, come across my path, I would, you know, honestly, I would just get a little shaken by it, not really sure what it means. And uh, well, let me show you what I, what I mean. Let's read the verse, uh, chapter three, verse nine. <clears throat> the Bible says. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. 
I read that verse and immediately two thoughts come to my mind. Number one, I know that I'm saved. I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm born of God. I'm born again. It was April 13th, 2007, right there in that front row where Brother Freddie's guitar is. I had a teen revival here at our church, and I was, it was two days before my 15th birthday. And Brother Mike Clark was preaching, and I grew up in church my whole life, but I knew that something wasn't right. And I came forward, and Pastor sat me down right there and uh, showed me some scriptures, and I nailed down my salvation, got assurance of my salvation. And two days later, April 15th, 2007, on my 15th birthday, which was pretty cool, I was able to get baptized. And so I know, without a shadow of doubt, that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. I'm born of God. I'm one of his children. But I also know when I read that verse that I sin. I know that every single day of my life and every week and every month and every year and so on, I'll do something that's sinful. I'll do something that's not pleasing to God. And more times than I'd like to tell you about and not that I'm proud about in any way, I'll have to get on my knees and ask God for forgiveness. So when I read that verse and it says, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, I either think, number one, I'm not really saved, but I know that's not true from what I just explained to you earlier. Or number two, the Bible is contradicting itself. And a lot of skeptics and a, and a lot of critics will tell you that is the case. But I can get that out of the way real quick tonight and assure you that the King James Bible that is on your lap tonight is the preserved, inspired Word of God. And there is no contradiction and there is no lie, and there is none of the above in any of the words or pages that are in the binding of your Bible tonight. It is all truth. It is all perfect. So there must be a, a, a deeper truth or something that I'm not really getting when I read in, in the context of that verse in verse 9. What I want to do tonight is just really explain that verse <clears throat> very simply, and then just give us some practical applications, some practical truth that we can take home with us tonight, and uh, we'll see where the Lord leads. Let's pray and we'll jump into it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this night. I thank you for the opportunity to preach. Don't take it lightly, Lord, and I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. Give me the words to say. I thank you for all the people who came out, knowing our pastor's not here this week and still were in their place, still faithful, working busy uh, jobs during the week and giving giving their all-day Sunday, Lord, and I pray that you bless them for their efforts. Meet with us tonight in the short time that we have, and we'll give you the honor and glory. In your name we pray, amen. In order to really understand 1 John 3, 9 and exactly what it's saying, we sort of have to lay a a foundation that we can build upon to grasp the truth. So keep your finger there. We're going to come back to that, to 1 John 3, 9 in a minute. We're going to use our Bibles a little bit tonight. Um, Like I said, it's not going to be long at all. I can guarantee you you'll be out before 7 o'clock. But if you can keep up with me and have your Bibles ready to use, I think that you'll benefit from what we look in the Scriptures tonight. But in order to understand that verse and lay that foundation, we need to, I want you to picture in your mind or imagine or see, or you can look back at your own life and your own testimony, a repenting, convicted sinner comes to the cross, and he knows he's a sinner. He knows Jesus died for his sins and took his place. He knows he rose again the third day, and he lives in heaven. And with his mouth, as the Bible says, he confesses his forgiveness, and he repents, and he asks Jesus to save him. And immediately upon that conversation or upon that prayer or whatever word you'd like to plug in there, immediately his spirit or her spirit is regenerated 
within them. Immediately they have a new spirit. Paul talks about a new creature. A new man is born within them immediately. And unfortunately, when that new creature and that new man is born in that now to be Christian, that old man, that flesh, that lust, is still, is not, I should rather say, eradicated. It still lives within. And in therefore lies the battle that has been taking place in Christians' lives since, some could argue, the Garden of Eden. The battle of the spirit and the flesh. The battle of the new man, the bat- first the old man. The battle of the natural versus the supernatural. Turn your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 verse 17 tonight. Keep your, we're going to come back to 1 John 3, 9 in a minute, so keep your finger there. Galatians 5.17, I I don't want you to take my word for it, I want to show you from the Bible what I'm talking about and see it with your own eyes. The Bible says in Galatians 5.17, it says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. You see, Galatians tells us here, this is a struggle that Christians face. It is a fight. It is a spiritual warfare that takes place within the Christian. Now, we'll get to in a minute, it is a a warfare that you can have the victory in, and you can conquer, and you can live a blessed life like the Lord wants you to, but it is a struggle, and it is a fight. It's a fight we all face every single day of our lives. It's a fight that we face when we get in the car in the morning, and we turn on the radio on our way to work, and immediately there's that thought of, Okay, I was just in church Sunday. Do I listen, you know, to the top hits on the radio or do I put on encouraging Christian music and a sermon? It's a fight that we all face when we go to work and we're amongst our employees and we're talking and we're conversing. And do we let that cuss word slip out of our mouth just to show them, you know, we're not, you know, we're not weird, you know, or do we keep our testimony and please the Lord? It's a fight and a struggle that we all face when maybe we had not such a great day at work and we come home and we're maybe a little grumpy and Do we go inside our house and take it out on our our wife and kids or our husband and kids? Or do we ask the Lord and the Spirit to give us a peace and a patience and a love for our family? It's a fight and a struggle, no matter what the circumstance you want to put in there or the example you want to use, that every Christian that ever lived, that ever will live, and that is living faces. Again, it's that fight, it's that struggle between the new creature and the old creature, between the spirit and the flesh, between the natural and between the supernatural. And it's a struggle that not only we as Christians face today, but as I said, a struggle and a fight that even arguably the greatest Christian of all time in the Apostle Paul faced himself. If you turn your Bible real quick to Romans chapter 7, we'll pick it up in verse 17. I'm going somewhere with this, so just stay with me. Romans chapter 7, verse 17. We'll read, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing, and he's talking, which we'll read in a minute, about this warfare that takes place in the Christian's life, about this battle that takes place between the new man and the old man. Now, if we wanted to, we could take several hours, and we could do an in-depth study of all Paul's epistles where he uh, dissects the dichotomy of the Christian, and he dissects the old man and the new man, and really gives us the science, and it's a great Bible study. I recommend read Romans 8 and all different passions and, uh, pas- uh, passages in Colossians and Ephesians to study up on it. But for sake of time, we can't do that tonight. But I do want to show you in Romans 7, we'll start in verse 17, the struggle that Paul says he even faced. Remember, this is the greatest Christian who ever, who, 
arguably ever walked the earth. He says in verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I, that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. See the struggle there. See the, see the fight. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but the sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And I want to do right, but it's hard. But I see another law in my members. It's warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Verse 24, familiar verse. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And chapter 8, he goes into a little more. We don't have time tonight, but you see Paul's struggle. You see him say, the things that I know I should do, I don't do them. And the things I know I shouldn't do, I do. And it's a struggle, and it's a fight, and it's a warfare that rages in my mind, that rages in my soul, that rages, that rages in my spirit. If you turn your Bibles real quick back to 1 John 3, 9, where we started tonight. And what I want to do is I'm going to show you what I believe, and I guess you could say this is my opinion, but uh, it's a lot of commentary that even our pastor reads, believes the same truth I'm about to ex- explain to you. And you can do a study on your own, and maybe you can, you'll find it differently, but from the commentators that our pastor reads, that he's recommended to me, that I read, and the study and prayer I do on this verse, this is the meaning that I get from this verse, and I think it's fairly obvious, and you'll agree. But it says there, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. And indeed, it's saying, or it means exactly what it says. Whosoever is born of God indeed cannot sin, because the new man, the new creature, is what's born of God when you're saved. It's what's given to you, and it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. And that new man and that new creature that lives in you, it can't sin. It's born of God. Don't take my word from it. Look in 1 Peter 1.23, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. I'll read it, First Peter 1, 23. It says, being born again, notice this phrase, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. What a thought that we as Christians have a new creature, have a, have a spirit inside of us that's born of God, that can't sin, that wants us to have victory in our life, that wants us to overcome the jealousy, that wants us to overcome the bitterness, that wants us to overcome the depression, that wants us to overcome the pride, that wants us to overcome the anxiety, that wants us to overcome, you name it, whatever sin is in your life, whatever you face, there is a spirit in you that can't sin and wants you to have the victory in your life. Now, by no means am I saying tonight you can be perfect and live a holy life, because that's not the case. As as long as we are in this uh, mortal body and this flesh is on our bones, that old man is still in us, and Every time we, we sin, it's that old man coming back in us, and we can't live a perfect life. But, Christian, we can live a victorious Christian life. And we can live a life yielded to the Holy Spirit. We can live a life 
where the new creature that's born of God is in control of our lives and gives us the victory. And what a powerful thought that is. What I want to do tonight is just give you some practical thoughts right out of the Bible, how you as Christians can win that battle between the new man and the old man. How you as Christians can allow the new man that's born within you, that regenerated spirit sealed by the Holy Spirit of God that lives within you if you are saved tonight, how you can take that and allow that to be what controls your life, allow that to be what steers and makes your decisions and guides you through life, and not that old man, not that flesh. I'll read to you tonight one thing that I wrote down here is, the nature of the new man, it's that of the Holy Spirit, desires love, obeys, and pleases God. Well, the nature of the old man is that of the flesh. It manifests itself through self-centeredness, self-gratification, self-righteousness, characterized by an attitude which is antagonistic to everything genuinely associated with God. Those are what's warring within us. And as Christians, God wants us to have the victory of that new creature. God wants us to have the Spirit lead us in our life so we can have victory and see Him bless and see Him work in our lives. Number one... How can, we defeat, how can we win the battle over the old man and let the new man have reign in our life? Number one, you can have that victory by battling daily or battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit. See, Christian, it's a daily battle. It's not just a one-time thing. For sake of time, you don't have to turn there, but if you read in your Bible later, 1 Corinthians 15, 31, familiar verse, I'm sure most of you know it. Paul, again, writes, writes very heavily on this topic, and he says, I die Daily. He says, I die daily. Imagine, Christian, if tomorrow morning, on Monday morning, you woke up and the first thing on your mind was, God, I know I'm flesh. I know that old man wants to have control of my life today as I go throughout my week. But God, I'm declaring war on the flesh. And I'm asking you, by your spirit's help and strength, to allow me to live in the spirit. To allow me to live in that new creature that I received when I was saved so that you can be glorified and honored. Imagine, Christian, if we did that every single day that we woke up in the morning. Imagine if that was our first thought. We woke up and we said, we're going to declare war on our flesh. We're going to declare war on our old man. We're going to battle daily. Apostle Paul said, I die daily. I die daily. Christian, it's a daily thing. It's a daily effort. See, our old man, our old nature, it's not destroyed. But now because we're saved, our obligation to obey it is destroyed. Now you can obey the new creature. Now you can obey the Holy Spirit. Now you can let God lead you and you can yield to him so that you can see victory in your life. You want to defeat the old man? You want the new man to have reign in your life and God to work and be glorified? You need to battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Number two, we'll move right along tonight. You need to bathe yourself in Scripture. Bathe yourself in Scripture. Bible reading, Bible memorization, whatever it is. A verse a day, as Pastor, I believe, said last Sunday night, is better than nothing. Your daily pursuit of God is better than nothing. Get in your Bible, Christian. Too many Christians in the day we live that don't know what they believe, don't know the doctrines of the Bible, don't know what the Bible says. They come to church, they go through the motions for a sense of security in their life, but they don't know what the Bible really teaches. And if some critic came to them, they would not be able to tell them the doctrine of assurance of our salvation, that we can't lose it. Wouldn't it be able to tell them uh, of the doctrine of salvation and the doctrine of the, of the Trinity and the different teaching, basic teachings in the Bible? Christian, if you're going to see victory in your life, you're not going to see it when you don't read your Bible. 
You need to bathe yourself in Scripture. You need to read and memorize. And this is a struggle for me, and I went to Bible school for five years, and it's a struggle for me. And I'll tell you one thing that's helped me is me and my dad a couple uh, weeks ago went down to uh, my uh, grandma who recently passed away, and we had to clean out the house and go through everything. And in one of the back closets, I found a, a, um, a case, and in the case was several CDs of the King James Bible on CD. So I, you know, tucked it away and said, okay, you know, maybe I'll use this. And recently I put that in, in my car, so when I, when I drive, instead of listening to, the, which, isn't, which isn't bad, but the Christmas music that's <laughs> constant, or listen to sports radio and how the Yankees still haven't made a trade, I've been listening to the, to the Bible on CD. And man, what a blessing is you don't even realize that it's just going in your mind. It's just, it's, it's working and I find myself, man, wait, what, what did that say? And I, I've read that my whole life. What did that say? And rewind to listen to that again. And Christians, you need to get absorbed and bathe yourself in scripture in the Bible. A missionary went to a foreign field, the story goes, and he won a man to the Lord. And that man came to him and said, listen, sir, since you've led me to Christ, there's this war that's going on in my life. There's this constant struggle. There's this constant fight that's going on in my life. He says, one side wants me to do good. One side wants me to do bad. He's like, it's like two big old pit bull dogs going at each other and fighting. The missionary looked at the man. He said, well, who usually wins? The man looked at the missionary and he said, well, whoever I feed the most usually wins. Who are you feeding tonight, Christian? Are you feeding your spirit? Are you feeding that new man? Are you, are you feeding that new creature? Or are you feeding the flesh? Are you feeding the old man that wants sin to reign rampant in your life? Are you watching the TV shows that are just gonna, not, not going to feed the spirit, they're going to feed the old man? Are you listening to the stuff that's not going to feed the spirit, and you know it, but it's going to feed the old man and allow him to have dominance in your life? Or are you bathing yourself in Scripture and feeding your spirit so that the old man can die and you can have victory in your life? So number one, battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Number two, bathe yourself in Scripture. Number three, bury yourself in spiritual activities. Bury yourself in spiritual activities. A couple weeks ago in Sunday school, at least I know in the teenagers and the kids, I'm pretty sure it's the same lesson for the adults, but we learned about David and Bathsheba. We learned about David, who was, we learned this morning was the greatest king of Israel, and we learned about his sin where he committed adultery and murder. And I look at that story and I think, why did David do that? Here is his greatest king, killed Goliath, killed a bear, killed a lion, anointed from God, youngest, young king, and just a great future. And here he is, he wrote the book of Psalms. And here he is committing adultery and murdering that woman's husband. Why did he do it? And I can't help but to think the basic answer that most all Sunday school teachers know or who have grown up in church, he wasn't where he was supposed to be when he was supposed to be there. Instead of being involved in God's work and spiritual activity and the king was supposed to lead the battle, the king was supposed to lead the charge, instead of being involved and buried himself in that spiritual activity of God's work, he was sitting around bored in his castle, walking around, twiddling his thumbs, not where he was supposed to be, not buried in, in God's work. And sure enough, he goes out on his deck and he sees Bathsheba and it's just a domino effect from there. Christian, bury yourself in spiritual activities. Get involved. Teenager, get involved in the youth group. Church member, get it, join the choir. 
Get involved in a Sunday school class. Get involved in the RU program. Get involved in the bus ministry. I know most of you are, but if you're not, you'll be blessed to get involved in our Sunday dinner and our homeless dinner ministry that we have once every three months. Bury yourself in spiritual activities. Get so consumed with the work of God that you don't even have time to let, your, to let the old man come out and reign in your life and reign rampant in your life. I don't know about you, but I, I believe it can be true for most of us tonight. When we sin the most is when we're just sitting around doing nothing and our mind just gets going and gets thinking and you get depressed and you get sad and you get anxious or you get a bad thought, whatever the case is, and you're sitting around not doing anything. Rather than doing that, get involved. Thank God that we have a church where you can get involved in things, where you can bury yourself in spiritual activities. Get your, get your kids involved in the church I thank God for parents that got me involved in the church at a young age, and I was able to bury myself in the spiritual things of the church rather than getting caught up in the things of the world. Who knows where I'd be today if that wasn't the case. But I urge you tonight, Christian, you want to win the battle over the old man and let the new man have reign in your life so that you can have victory. Bury yourself in spiritual activities. I said, number one, battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Number two, bathe yourself in Scripture. And you can find that in Psalm 19, uh, 119, 11, or 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. Um, number three, uh, bury yourself in spiritual activity, Psalm 102. And number four, build a life of prayer. Build a life of prayer. I want to read you a very short paragraph. I know, I don't know if it's just me, but it's kind of hot in here. If someone wants to open a window or turn the fan on, let's do it. That's fine with me. I don't want to pass out this tonight. <laughs> Ms. Tina, you want to flick the fans on back there? Or Brian, go ahead, buddy. It's December, and we're going to have to get the air conditions going here in a minute. <laughs> Crazy. It's good for me, though. I'm getting married in the winter, so I want it to stay like this. <laughs> All right, there we go. So number one, I said battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit. Number two, bathe yourself in Scripture. Number three, bury yourself in spiritual activity. And number four, I said build a life of prayer. I want to read to you this paragraph that I, that I read, very short, stick with it, understand what it's saying, I believe it will benefit you. It says, prayer is a resource that Christians often give lip service to, but make poor use of. We have prayer meetings, times of prayer, but we do not use prayer in the same way as the early church, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 6, Acts 13. Paul repeatedly mentions how he prayed for those he ministered to. God has given us wonderful promises concerning prayer. You can find that in Matthew 7 and Luke 18 and John 6. You can find it in 1 John 5. And Paul includes prayer in his passage on preparing for spiritual battle. A familiar and famous passage in Ephesians 6. How important is prayer to overcoming sin and the old man in our lives? We have Christ's words to Peter, and we all know this story, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Just before Peter's denial. As Jesus prays, Peter is sleeping. Jesus wakes him up and he says, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Jesus says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Matthew 26, 41. We, like Peter, want to do what is right, but sometimes we can't find the strength. We need to follow God's admonition to keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, and he will give us the strength that we need. We find that through prayer. Prayer is not some magic formula. Prayer is simply acknowledging our own limitations and God's inexhaustible power and turning to him for that strength to do what he wants us to do, 
not what we want to do. Build a life of prayer. You want the new man to have the control in your life? You want to have the Holy Spirit be the one that works through you and and you yield to in your life? Build a life of prayer. It's so important. And yet it is one of the hardest things, and prayer itself is a spiritual warfare. Our pastor himself last week stood up here and said one of the three things he feels he struggles with, and he listed prayer as one of them. It's hard. It takes discipline. It's a spiritual fight. But, man, if we want to have that victory, we need to build a life of prayer. Five minutes a day, ten minutes a day, twenty minutes a day. Don't have to start with just, just have to right off the bat an hour a day and you've never even prayed. Start with five minutes. Start within your car. Start with ten minutes going to God and asking him for strength and saying, God, I want to build my life on prayer. I want you to use me. I want to be yielded to your spirit. I want the old man to die and the new man to live. I want the flesh to die and the, and the spirit to yield. And I want the, the natural in my life to be gone and the supernatural that I received upon salvation to have control in my life. But it's going to take building a life on prayer. We are fools, so to say. We think we're going to have victory in our lives, and we don't pray. Many Christians who walk around, we're depressed or we're hung up on a sin, and, and it shouldn't be like that. The Christian life is not about that. We live in a day and age where we really now, with all the crazy things going on in our country, we can't afford to have Christians who are walking around who are lethargic and are depressed and, oh, man, this, this stinks. Man, we need victorious Christians. We need Christians who are excited. We need Christians who are filled with the Spirit. We need Christians who have the new creature in them and, and they're yielded to the Holy Spirit and God is working in their lives. We don't need that in our country. We need that in Danbury. We need that in Northeast Baptist Church to be spirit-filled, victorious Christians. Because that's, that's what God meant for you and that's what God's design is for the Christian life. Not to be bored, not to be constant, constantly losing, not to be nervous, not to be hung up on sin, but to be victorious. And to say enough with the old man, hello to the new man, I'm going to yield to the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to have God, see, I'm going to see victory in my life through God. I said battle daily by yielding to the Holy Spirit, bathe yourself in scripture, bury yourself in spiritual activities, and build a life of prayer. I don't know what it is tonight, Christian, if you're able to follow, follow along with those passages and really the short amount of time that we had to explain such a deep complex um, Bible doctrine. But if there's one of those things, maybe you could just take one of them tonight and say, you know what, I want to have victory in my life and I want the new man, I want the Holy Spirit to have control in my life. And I'm going to decide tonight, you know what, starting tomorrow morning, I'm going to battle daily. Like Paul said, I die daily. I'm going to wake up and the first thing, I'm going to say, God, give me your power today. Help me to die to flesh and live in the Spirit. Maybe it's, you know what, I haven't read my Bible like I should and if I'm going to be victorious and I'm going to see God work in my life, I'm going to start bathing myself in Scripture. I'm going to start listening to the Bible. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to start studying the Bible. I'm going to go on Amazon and maybe uh, order a, a cheap book on the doctrines of the Bible and study and get to know God's Word for myself and bathe myself in Scripture, and you'll be amazed the victory you'll find in your life. Or maybe it's, you know what, I don't think that I'm involved in the church as, as I should be, and I don't believe that to be the case with anyone here tonight as you're here the Sunday night crowd and preaching to the choir, but... Maybe there's someone who says, you know what, I need to get involved a little more in the church and, and join the choir or join the bus ministry or, or go to RU on Friday or get involved with the Sunday school. Whatever the case is, I'm going to get my, myself involved in spiritual activities and stay busy in God's work so that I can have victory. Or maybe tonight it's just, you know what, just to be blunt with you, my, my prayer life stinks and I need to pray more. I need to get on my knees more. I need to get to God and, and, and ask him to give me the strength 
He says, watch that you enter not into temptation. The spirit is, is weak, but the, or the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. You know, I need God to give me that strength to have that victory. And I need, can only do that if I build on a life of prayer. I don't know what it is tonight, Christian, and I told you I would not be long, and I'm just about finished. I'm going to ask Miss Dayland to come, and she'll play on the piano, and then I'll give it over to Brother Freddie. But if God spoke to you tonight in, in some way, and there's a decision that you would like to make on any of those things, I urge you tonight, Christian, to come do business with God, and I urge you to understand that God wants you to have victory in your life. He wants the new man, the new creature, that regenerated spirit you received upon salvation to have reign in your life so that you can be victorious and that you can be a blessing to other people. Miss Dalen, we'll, we'll, we'll all stand, and uh, Miss Dalen will play the piano as she plays. If you'd like to do business with God, you come to the altar. As soon as you're done, I will hand it over to Brother Freddie tonight.